When was the last time that you said, awesome, and you actually meant it? You're experiencing awe. Or, that's wonderful, and you were full of wonder. I know I throw away these words uh, often, but when was the last time you said that? I, just this morning, I was hearing somebody's story about how God, God rescued them, and, and medically, they, they should have died, but there was just this amazing story of God at work. Uh, talk to Peter's friend Leonard afterwards if you want to hear the story. But, I mean, I was just saying, amazing. That's awesome, and it truly is. God's amazing. But I must admit, you know, if I think, okay, what makes me say wow and wonderful? Not enough. And especially when I was a younger adult, to my shame, I remember meeting my wife and uh, I, I was very attracted to her, but she had this, this weird uh, habit of she would be out in creation and she could just sit there and look at it for a long time in wonder. And I was like, Babe, how can you just stare at a rock, like, for a long time? Like, I got two minutes, it's cool, but then I, I want to be doing things. But what I came to realize is that she was in the right. I was in the wrong. I needed to wake up to wonder. And I began to realize it as I moved from Wisconsin, where we had gone to college, to uh, southern Alberta, where she had grown up, and the first time I went to Banff. And you've been to Banff? I mean... Wow. I, I remember getting there. I'm looking at these mountains, and truly, I'm like, okay, I, now I can sit and look at a rock. And then we go drive further, and I'm like, are you kidding me? There's more? She's like, oh, yeah, wait till you see Lake Louise. We got mountains. We got lake. And the first time then I drove to Vancouver, I was like, are you kidding? There's more. Now, remember, I'm, I'm a Kansas boy, flatlands of Kansas. The tallest thing I had seen to that point was like a grain elevator or a water tower. There's a water tower close to Morrill, Kansas, where I grew up, population 300. So seeing mountains like Banff and Lake Louise was amazing. And somehow in my brain, I knew there were the Rockies, like Denver was only six hours from us. But I thought they were this long strip of triangles running from Denver to somewhere north of the border. I didn't know what happened to north of the border, but I just thought it was like one set of triangles. You go up, you go down, and then you drive flat all the way to you know the Pacific. I had no idea of the mountains continued and continued and continued. Awesome. Amazing. I had to wake up to wonder. What makes you say, wow? Amazing. I want to invite us into a posture of wonder today. Not just wonder like, hmm, I wonder about that. But wonder as in this quality of excitement or amazed admiration, rapt attention, astonishment as something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. I want to invite us into wonder. What makes you say, wow, awesome? Maybe some of the new pictures that have come out from the James Webb telescope. Maybe sitting out Tofino where you clue it and watching ocean waves crashing. Sitting at Kitts Beach and looking west as the sun goes down behind the mountains over the water. Maybe going to a concert at the VSO or hearing a musician do something just amazing. Maybe being in a worship setting like we were this morning where we're invited to marvel at the goodness and strength of God. I don't know what it is for you, but what I hope is that we all have places in our lives where we are experiencing wonder. 
We started into a new series last week called Living Love, and it's based on a book by Mark Batterson called Primal, where he asks, what would it look like uh, as, as a church, as a people of faith, if, if some of the layers of, of politics and things we've added got stripped away, what would it look like if we got back to loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself? The big two that Jesus invited us to, love of God, love of neighbor. And so this week, we're going to ask, what would it look like to love God with all our soul? Batterson believes that part of loving God with our soul is renewing, remembering our sense of wonder as we experience creation, as we experience scripture, the cross, each other, experiencing once again this sense of wonder. And if he is right, and I think he's onto something here, developing or remembering our sense of wonder is part of what it means to love God. We love God as we react in wonder to the amazing things that he has made. And I think he's on to something there, tying love and wonder together. Think about when a child you love has made you a piece of art, and they bring it to you, and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, Auntie, look what I made for you. What's our response? Wow, it's amazing. And we may follow it up with the question, what is it? you know, two-year-old with, with coloring. But because we love that child, we react in wonder. What would it say about the quality of our relationship with them if they're like, look at this, and we're like, eh, okay. Ah, that wouldn't be a very loving response. And what God created is no two-year-old's crayon drawing. It's amazing what God has made. And part of our love, reaction of love to God is this response of wonder. It's certainly God's response. As God makes all of creation, including human creation, God steps back and we, we know what God thinks. God said, this, this is good. This is very good. And so as we react in wonder, we are expressing our love to God. We're getting our hearts in alignment with God. And it shouldn't come as a shock that hearts in alignment with God, that is not only an appropriate response for God, but it is good for us too. It is healthy as human beings to have a response of wonder. And researchers are just catching up to that. I read a few studies this week as I was preparing for this, and in the last 10 years, there's been an amazing number of of scientific studies on the importance of the response of wonder and awe for the human life. A couple of places it's healthy for us. It is healthy psychologically to experience wonder and awe. Wonder is connected to an increase in positive emotions, such as optimism, gratitude, joy, vitality. Wonder is connected to a decrease in emotions of distress. Wonder is connected to a protective factor against depressive symptoms. Wonder is good for us psychologically, but also socially in our connections. Awe and wonder are characterized by a sense of interconnectedness to the world around us. How many times have you heard stories, not only in a Christian setting, but in non-religious as well, when people have an epiphany, this experience, they'll say something like, I felt this sense of connection 
to things around me. And sure enough, wonder and awe is, is characterized by a, by a connection. It promotes positive social emotions, not just psychological, but social, like compassion, generosity, altruism. It's connected to a decrease in aggressive behaviors. When I asked my wife about what it was about staring at creation, she would sometimes say, that's really good for my soul. And apparently she's right. It's true. Wonder is good for us. It's actually healthy for us. But how often have I been asleep to the wonders all around me? Everywhere I look, the, the, the song, uh, This Is My Father's World, the, the hymn writer expresses that. Um, he said, even in rustling grass, he hears God pass, and then he has this line, he speaks to me everywhere. I mean, even the act of looking itself is a wonder of God. Again, I was reading a study I can barely understand, but the person said that the act of looking, our retina, conducts nearly 10 billion calculations a second. And for some supercomputer I'd never heard of, to, to process the, the equivalent of what the eye does uh, would take about 100 years. It's amazing what our eye does, and we don't even think about it. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Think of the, the, little, the little bird. Whenever you hear this, you know, there's a hummingbird around. I don't know about you, but that, that's one for me that I, I look around. Well, what's that? It's wings beating up to 200 times per second. Remarkable. We have an Anna's hummingbird that, that hangs out at our, at our hummingbird feeder, except when the hornet chases it away, which again is an amazing experience. But that little bird, for its wings to beat that fast, it needs quite the heart rate. Again, up to 225 times per minute when it's at rest. 1,200 times when it's flying. And to move that fast, it's got to eat a lot. Yeah, it really does. Ten to, every 10 to 15 minutes, visiting 1,000 to 2,000 flowers. And scientists are beginning to, to realize that they actually remember the flowers that they, they drink from. And, you know, to remember that, that thing's got to be smart. Sure enough, hummingbirds have a brain that makes up 4.2% of its body weight, biggest compared to any other bird. Our own brains only make up 2% of our body weight. So it's, it's amazing, over 4% in the hummingbird. Two little things. We are invited to wake up, to wonder. The wonder of God is all, all around us. But how might we cultivate the spiritual posture and discipline to welcome wonder? I mean, you can't create experiences of, of epiphany or, or wonder. That'd be manipulative. You can't, you can't force that. But how might we be in a posture where we can welcome it in our lives? Scott Erickson, who goes by the handle Scott the Painter, is an author and artist I, I recently found and have really enjoyed. And recently, he did a post connected with a piece of art called Doorway-Flower, and he wrote this little reminder. Moving from believing we must bring God to everything to witnessing that God is already waiting to be found in everything, moving from this to that is the revival we've been waiting for. Realizing that, that God is at work, his wonders are, are all around us, and beginning to open our eyes to that is the beginning of revival and transformation.
Okay, well, how might we, we might move into that space? Well, in the time left, I want us to spend a little bit of time with Jacob, one of the patriarchs of our faith. Jacob, who was Abraham's grandson, father of 12 sons and a daughter, and uh, his kids and a couple of grandkids would become the tribes of, of Israel, the sons of, sons of Israel. And so Jacob, though, in his early life, he's slightly younger twin. And it seems like in his early life, he spent most of his try- time trying to get ahead of his older brother. So he manipula- manipulates his brother out of his birthright. He manipulates his father to steal his brother's blessing. And finally, his brother figures out what's going on, and he says, I'm going to kill him. And so we catch up with Jacob as he's fleeing from his, his twin brother, and he's exhausted, and he's just falling asleep. So this is from Genesis 28, 11 and following. When he, that's Jacob, reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. We catch Jacob at this certain place, a, a, a random place, a nothing place, a place he was passing through to get where he was going, a place like we've probably driven through a thousand times. I used to drive from Kansas to Virginia, where I lived, to where I would work for the summers, and I hated to pay very much for night stay, and so I would drive till I was exhausted. I'd pick the town where I was going to sleep, and I'd just drive around looking for the cheapest motel I could stay at. I, I hated to spend money, and I stayed at some awful awful motels. Um, But, you know, the place didn't matter to me. I just needed a place to crash. And that was this place for Jacob. It was. It was named after the almond trees that grew in that place, but he didn't care about that. It was just a place to crash. But ironically, in Jacob's dream, that's where he woke up to the realization that God is present in this place, a nothing place, a random place, a place he hadn't noticed. God is present there, he wakes up and he says, oh, i got to rename this place. It's not just Luz, it's Beit El, it's Bethel, it's the house of God. Now what Jacob would discover later is that God is everywhere, not just here in this place, but this is the start of Jacob's spiritual transformation. From being a man who just grabs for himself to manipulate and get ahead to a person who is awake and aware of God's presence in the world around him. Wonder was the start of his spiritual transformation. And I can't help but wonder if wonder is the start of spiritual transformation for us as well. 
I think the quote of what Jacob said when he woke up is critical. Surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't aware of it. I was asleep to the presence of God here with me. Jacob needed his eyes opened. A number of authors have written, but this has been attributed to Immanuel Kant, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. It's not that the world was any less awesome and wonderful because Jacob opened his eyes, it's just Jacob's soul was changed and he began to see the work of God around him. He just needed to wake up to it. So how might we welcome wonder into our lives? This has been a hard one for me. I'll be, I'll be honest. I love to live up here. I love studying. I love school. Even taking tests wasn't so bad for me. To start to live from my soul and welcome wonder at, at times has been very, very challenging. But I know I need it. I know I need it. There's been times in my life when my soul felt so tired and so dead that faith just became an act. I grew up in the church. I've worked in the church, so I knew the words. I knew the actions, but I was missing the presence of God and the wonder of God with me. And so I've had to wake up many times to God's presence around me. So I'm just going to leave you with a few things that have been helpful for me. And just, I'll leave them as gifts. You're welcome to, to try them. And, and I hope they're helpful for you as well. Here's a few things that have been helpful for me. The first is entering spaces of wonder. There's particular places and spaces in my life where it has been more natural for me to come to a place of wonder. And so to prioritize those places in my life has been, has been helpful. So where have you experienced that sense of awe and wonder? And do you still go to those places? Do you, do you make time for it? For many, it's outside. It's in creation. The, the, the wonder of the world around us, this amazing, amazing space where we've been placed. For others, it's, it's what they hear. So a concert, uh, a worship uh, setting like, like we've experienced. Again, music has this incredible way sometimes of, of bypassing that critical side of us that's always trying to figure everything out and, and hit us in a deeper spot. For others, it's an art gallery. Again, visually, as people uh, reflect the creativity of, of God and we're brought back into the space of, of wonder. Conversation. Uh, deep conversation. Sometimes conversation with somebody who knows a lot about something I know nothing about. And as they express their excitement about, uh, about something that, that they're an expert in or are learning, that invites me into that posture of wonder as well. But sometimes it's not because someone's an expert. It's just literally being present with someone, looking them in the eye, asking good questions, inviting them to, to communicate some of the deep things of their heart. And as I begin to hear uh, how they're processing their world and see the world through their eyes, I just experience a sense of, wow, God, God is present here. Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't see it. It's a deep conversation. A second place for me that's been helpful to invite wonder in my life is coming back to my senses, literally my five senses. 
Because I found for me, I can, my brain can get ahead of myself worrying about here. It can be back there, stuck in regret. It can be everywhere but where I physically am. And so for me, I've, I've learned to practice this kind of grounding uh, a technique of five, four, three, two, one. It's helped me with anxiety and helped me come back to where I am right now. And here's what I do. I take two or three deep breaths, recognizing God through his spirit is present here with me. Breathe in for five. Breathe out for five. And then I begin to notice what are five things that I can see right now where I am? I see a silver pole here in front of me. I see the number three on a seat. I see Quentin's blue hat backwards. I see these straight boards across the, the, the back sitting horizontally right here. Don't need to judge it. What are five things I see? What are four things I can touch? It's kind of this rough, there's some slight bumps here on this, on this music stand. A couple of wrinkles. And touch that. Paper. The glass on the front of my cell phone. Again, it's just moving slow, being present right here where I am. What are three things I can hear? There's a slight buzz. Maybe the speakers or some other electric piece. There's a little bit of, of cars there along. Is it West Mall out back? I still hear my heart thumping just a little bit because I'm still a little nervous. What are two things that I smell? smell my coffee. This room has a unique smell to it. I know when I come into this, this building every week. What's one thing I can taste? Slight aftertaste of coffee. There's a bit of a theme there. But coming back to my senses, five, four, three, two, one, just to be present in the place where I actually am invites me to open my eyes and see God is present here right where I am. What's been helpful for me? To walk a turtle. Not literally walking a turtle, but bear with me here. In the early 1800s, as malls were just beginning and Paris shops were beginning to be built along covered passages, there were a group of people who really wanted to slowly observe where they were. And so there was a short-lived trend of walking turtles on a leash. Seriously, you can look this up. To enforce a slower pace of looking. Because we so often rush past places. So how slow is that? Well, if you left now, you'd get to the Savon Foods in South Campus in about five hours. So if you want dinner... You should leave now, because that's how long it's, it's, going, it's going to take. Slower pace of looking. Now, I hate shopping, so walking around a mall at that pace would be like 
inferno for me. But slowing down to ponder and wonder, that's an invitation that has been so helpful for me. When my soul has felt dead and tired, some of the greatest awe and wonder I've experienced is when I've wandered slowly in the paths of Pacific Spirit Park. Not, not, with, a, not with an agenda, not with being worried which way will I turn, just walking, taking the path right in front of me. It's been sitting for weeks with two or three chapters. For me, it was Isaiah 40 to 43 or when my soul was dead to hear those words, comfort, comfort my people, that was just a balm for my soul. And I just stayed there. To sit for hours at a time and look at Rembrandt's painting of the return of the prodigal son, just looking at the father's embrace of the son coming home, still gives me chills, even now as I think about sitting there just sitting with, with art, that slow, leisurely pace. You see, the speed matters, and it's not hummingbird speed, it's turtle speed. Do you notice in the text, it's only when Jacob lies down, when he stops, that then he sees the reality. The Lord is present here. And then finally, for me, sometimes we need a physical reminder that this place like every place, is filled with God's presence. Uh, the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she said it this way, and I love this, earth's crammed with heaven, every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Every common bush afire with God. Sometimes, though, we need to be reminded that in that bush. God can meet us there. And so a final invitation to welcome wonder is to carry a rock. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he was like, what? God, God is here. So what does he do? He takes a common rock from that place, a rock that he hadn't noticed the night before, except maybe it was kind of the shape of his head or something. I don't know. Some people say their pillow is hard as a rock. His was literally a rock. So he, he put his head on that. But when he woke up, he realized, no, no, this is, this is no common place. God is here. And so he takes that rock. And as a reminder to himself, he pours oil on it. And he renames the place Bethel, the house of God. The Lord is present here. And I didn't realize it. And at that rock, actually, he returns to that place at least once as he's reminded of the presence of God. So this morning, I'm actually going to invite you when you come up later for communion to carry a rock. There's a basket of rocks on both sides. Some of you maybe need a, want a big, big handful. There's some smaller ones, too, if you want to put it in a pocket or something. Um, but I, I invite you to take this physical reminder that God is, is present with you. The Lord is here. Sometimes we just need eyes to see it. Um, Esther has one in one of her planter baskets. It's my, my wife. I think she wrote, I am here, or God is here on it, just as a reminder to her. Other people have taken rocks, and they've written, God is here, God is with you, and they've left it so other people can see it too. So others are reminded as well. But I, I invite you to, to take a rock. And sometimes, even when we can't see that God is present with us in our circumstance, maybe a rock is a reminder, okay, God, I'm having a hard time seeing you, but I'm going to put this rock down here to remind me, God is with me here.
even when it's hard to see him, to carry a rock. God is here. The Lord is here. I just didn't see him. The Lord is present in this place. Carry a rock. Enter spaces that remind you uh, to, to wonder. Come back to your senses. Walk a turtle. Move slow. May you find spaces in your life this week where you can slow down. Look around and see surely the Lord is present in this place. I just didn't see him. Let's pray. God, I do believe that you are with us. And sometimes it's hard to see you, Lord. I've, I've been there. Every day there's, there's moments I am there. Lord, it's, it can be hard to see you. Would you wake us up to wonder this week? Lord, through creation, through other people, through the scriptures, through the cross, remind us you are with us and open our eyes in wonder and awe at you. God, you're amazing. Amen.